Hello, welcome to York Street. We hope that this sermon will be an inspiring and impactful one, just what you need at this time. For any of our sermon-based studies, please head to our website at www.yorkstreet.com.au. So grab a cuppa, grab your notebook, whatever you need, and we hope that you enjoy the sermon. Good morning, church. How you doing? It's good. Um, for those who don't know me, uh, my name is Josiah, and I'm incredibly excited to have the privilege to speak with you this morning. Um, for those who don't know, I've been at York Street since I was like one year old. Um, I've been here all my life. Um, recently, though, I moved to Cambodia, um, and I've been working with youth with a mission. Uh, my first Sunday back uh, for this kind of time that I'm here it was Vision Sunday. Can you guys remember that? That wasn't very <laughs> confident. <laughs> well, Tim shared God's vision for York Street during this next season. Can you guys remember what the word that Tim got for us was? Yeah, it was joy. And the scripture that we looked at was John 15:11, which says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. God wants us to carry the joy of the Lord in our hearts and have his joy in the full. But we'll come back to this in a little bit. Last week, Anthony kicked us off in this new series, Level Up. And today, myself and Charlie are incredibly grateful to have this opportunity to share something that God's been placing on our hearts to share with you. So before we get started, let's pray. Father, thank you so much just for this opportunity to meet together this morning. Father, I just pray that you would be speaking to every one of us. Um, yeah, and I just pray that you would be at work in our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So at the start of this year, I was sitting in my dorm room back in Cambodia, and I was praying that God would give me a word for my year. And the word ended up being intimacy. Um, and throughout this year, it just keeps coming up in sermons that I hear, in devotions that I read or listen to, in worship songs. Do you guys ever get that? Where just things just are all over the place and just in your face all the time. And as time has gone on, I have tried to kind of study what intimacy with God means. Um, and then I've tried to kind of put that into practice. And the more that I do, the more I believe that this isn't just a word for me but a word for the global church, a call to level up our intimacy with God. And then God told Charlie and I to preach on this today, so here we are. There's a lot that we want to say. We're going to be going fairly quick, so let's get right into it. What is intimacy with God? It's simply drawing near to God, having that sense of closeness with him. It's not being apathetic in our relationship with him, rather spending intentional time to know him deeper. It's never being content nor satisfied with our level of intimacy, but always striving to know him more. In Genesis 1 and 2, we read that God created humans differently than the rest of creation. He gave us free will. He created us as sentient beings for one purpose— intimacy with him. I really loved the communion talk this morning. It really spoke into this as well, as well as the compassion video. 
Um, and I believe God was just telling me before that this is something we need to press into in this service. And I just want to affirm this for you today, that you are created with a purpose, for a purpose. God wants to have intimacy with you. It doesn't matter what you've done, what stage of life that you're in, who you are. But God loves you. He created you. He knew you before you were born. And he created you to have intimacy with you. So I just want to really affirm that for you this morning. But why is this important? If we don't understand the, like, if we don't understand the importance of having intimacy with God, where does that leave our worship? Where does that leave our prayer? If we don't understand who we are worshiping or who we are praying to, then it becomes only about the action instead of the heart. More about the what than the why. See, intimacy with the Father is what gives meaning to all of the spiritual practices that we do. And do you ever feel like, what's the point? Why am I here in church on a Sunday morning? It's freezing outside. I want to be in bed. Or why do I worship? Why do I pray? Why do we do all of these spiritual disciplines? Well, if our image of God is that he is our master, that he is distant, that we just do what he says because we have to, then our image is distorted from the truth of who he really is. And it comes into this idea of slavery versus sonship. Do you see yourself as a slave, unworthy of intimacy with the Father, just doing all these things to try to please him or appease him? Just doing these things out of a fear of judgment, or because we think that if we do more things, God will love us more? Or do you see yourself as his son, his daughter, his beloved, as someone who the Father wants to have intimacy with, and as someone who he loves so much that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for, as someone who he could not love any more than he does right now? If we do not have a firm identity, an identity as a son or a daughter of the Father, we will become a self-imposed slave, which isn't God's heart for us at all. He wants intimacy with us, but this can only happen if we are connected to him. So if you want to get your Bibles out, uh, we're going to read from John 15, 1 to 5. If you don't have your Bibles with you, it's on the screen. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Like This is a fairly wordy scripture, but it talks about being connected to God and having abiding in intimacy with the Father being the roots of our fruit, so our actions and our thoughts. See, this is the reason why intimacy with God is so important. It influences all of our decisions, our ideals, and our very perspective of the world. So what fruit are you producing? And how does the fruit that you produce reflect your intimacy with the Father? 
The Bible says in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If we are abiding in intimacy with the Father, this is the fruit that we will produce. So I'll ask again, what fruit are you producing and how does that reflect your intimacy with God? Now, one of the fruits listed in this Galatians passage um, is joy, which is our theme for the year, right? And it just so happens that the key verse for the vision, John 15, 11, is a direct follow-on from the John 15 passage that I just read. You see, if we want to have the joy of the Lord in our lives, intimacy is the prerequisite. To have joy, we must first have intimacy. Do you ever feel like that if you spend time with God in the morning that your day is just better, that you can have more joy, more patience, maybe with your children, you just can tolerate them a little bit more, or um, if you're in school like or studying that you want to do better in your work or whatever? See, I don't think this is a coincidence. Having joy or having positive fruit is a direct result of having intimacy with God. And as Anthony's been teaching us the past few weeks, if we can have joy, we can then share the joy in our lives and the joy of the gospel to, with those around us. As Christians, our calling is to make disciples of all nations. Our mandate is to tell others about Jesus. But how can we do that if we don't know Jesus? See, this is why intimacy is so important, because it's the key to our life calling as Christians. So let's recap everything that I've said so far. I've said a fair bit in a short amount of time. So intimacy with God is having a close relationship and drawing near to Him. It brings meaning to the spiritual practices that we do. It helps us to understand our identity as God's children. It enables us to produce good fruit in our lives, such as joy. And it enables us to fulfill our calling as believers. See, believing in Jesus is only the start, but growing in intimacy is the journey of faith. And it's a lifelong journey because you never graduate intimacy. It's not just a course that you can take for two years with ACOM. It doesn't exist. But it's something that we can always work on with God and something that we get to work on with God. It's part of the joy of faith. And I've only really just started this journey of intentional intimacy, but my beautiful fiance is, is better at doing this than I am. So she's going to share with you today how to practically level up your intimacy with God, specifically through the use of quiet times. So please welcome her up. Good morning, church. Yes, it is truly an honor to be sharing with you today some of the things that God has been teaching me about intimacy with him and establishing a meaningful and consistent quiet time. So before we start, I'd love to clarify what a quiet time actually is and why it's important. So your quiet time is space that you intentionally carve out of your day to be with God, and that can look like many different things. But the two main things that are part of quiet times are reading the Bible and prayer. 
These things are so essential to our walk with God because if we're not spending time listening to him and learning about him, then how will we grow in intimacy with him? Your relationship with God is the most important relationship you will ever have in your life. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves, it's often the relationship we neglect the most. So our quiet times are those spaces where we come away from the world for a while and intentionally make time to reconnect with God. Like probably many of you here today, I've been on a journey with quiet times for years. It's never come all that easily to me. I'm one of those people who falls victim to that sudden burst of motivation to get my life together, and that often happens to involve quiet times. I'm sure many of you have gone to bed one night having decided that from now on you're going to get up at 5.30 in the morning and read the Bible every day and you're never going to fail ever and it's going to be amazing, right? (laughs) Or maybe you've decided that 2023 is the year that you are going to read the whole Bible and yet it's already marked and you're only three chapters into Genesis. A few years ago, I realized that I really needed to fix my quiet times because quite honestly, I never did them. One day I read a verse in Psalm 132 where David is talking about building a temple for God. He says, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord. So I felt like that was a good commitment to make to myself, to not go to sleep until I had made a place for God in my life that day. I didn't want to go a whole day without spending intentional time with the Lord, seeking after him and growing in my understanding of who he is. So I built a habit into my life of spending time with God every single day. And I can't even begin to describe how my relationship with God has blossomed since having a meaningful, intentional and committed quiet time. So I'd love to share more of what I've learned. Jesus is our best model for how to spend time with God. And something Jesus did a lot of was prayer. So Mark 1.35 says, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Luke 5.15-16 says, But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. And Luke 6.12 says, in, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. My point in reading all of these passages is to show you that Jesus spent hours in conversation with God. Private, personal prayer was essential for Jesus, and it's essential also for us. But for a lot of us, we find prayer to be, quite honestly, hard. (laughs) Maybe we can't focus. Maybe we don't feel that we have enough hours in the day. Maybe we just get bored. Maybe we don't really see the point, or we don't even feel that God is listening anyway. In Daniel chapter 6, we read about how Daniel and his friends were living in a time where the people were essentially not allowed to pray or worship anybody other than the king or they'd be killed. Daniel, however, was faithful. And it says in verse 10, he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Maybe you're here today wondering where in your busy schedule you could possibly fit prayer. I want to remind you that living a life in pursuit of Jesus means that we cannot just squeeze him in wherever it's most convenient for us. 
Daniel refused to structure his prayer life around the culture and expectations of the land he lived in, and neither should we. Everything we do should be structured around spending time with Jesus. And when we order our day around having intimacy with God, we keep him in his rightful place as our first love. But I think for many of us, there's actually a deeper issue. Do we, do we trust that God is even listening to what we pray? And even if we think he's listening, do we trust that he is actually good and wants good things for us? I want you to ask yourself today, do I believe that my prayers matter? I think for a lot of us, we pray these really vague and safe prayers, prayers that are so general that we wouldn't actually even know if God answered them or not. Things like, God, you know that my relative has just been diagnosed with cancer. Your will be done with her health. Or maybe it's, God, you know I'm really nervous about this new job I'm starting today. Would you be with me in that? I'm not saying that these are bad prayers, but I have a challenge for us today. Let's pray with vulnerability. Let's pray specific things. Tyler Statton says this, If God answered every last one of your prayers, what would happen? The answer is usually very little. I wonder if this is because we don't fully believe in a God that responds to prayer. So we pray in a way that protects us from being disappointed. Instead, let's give everything over to God in prayer and see what happens. Let's resist trying to make it easy on God. He can handle your bold requests. Allow yourself to trust that he actually does want good things for you. And let's commit to praying without ceasing in the pursuit of learning what it means to trust God, that he is faithful to his promises, that he actually is love to the very core of who he is, even if deep down we don't even know if we believe that to be true. I am not saying that everything you pray will come true because God is not a magic genie. But I am saying that when we trust that God wants the very best for us, then how he answers our prayers begins to not even matter because we trust that he is good no matter what. And one of the easiest ways that we can get to know the heart of God more is by reading his word. The Bible tells us who God actually is. And there are so many misconceptions we have about the character of God, even those of us who have been following him for our whole lives. But the Bible is a love letter that God wrote for us that tells us about his nature and what he wants for us. It's so crucial that we fill ourselves up with truth every day. The Bible is how God speaks to us. It's how we learn to hear his voice. And it's how we learn God's great design for humankind. Another thing I've learned is that we have to fight for our quiet times. I think a lot of us love the idea of quiet times and wish that we read the Bible more or that we prayed more. But when it doesn't come easily to us, we give up. But something that's so important is that you're actually supposed to love your quiet times. And this will help you stick with them. They're not supposed to just be another task on your to-do list, more work in an already busy world. When Jesus says to abide in him, he is not saying that by reading your Bible every day and praying every day, you might earn a little bit more of his love. It will, however, equip you to love God and to love others. So now I'm going to give you some quick and practical tips for how to actually have that consistent and meaningful quiet time. So number one is that you win your quiet time the night before. 
go to sleep at a reasonable time. You make it consistent and recognize that it will take your body time to adapt to getting up earlier. So it won't be easy right away. And this I found is the hardest part is getting up early. (laughs) And yes, morning quiet times are not the only option, but it's what Jesus did. And after trying many things, it's what I found is the best option, but find what works for you. Number two follows on from that, and it's don't do your quiet time in your bed because you will fall back asleep. (laughs) Find a spot where you won't be interrupted. Number three is to find a good Bible commentary, maybe a study Bible or a free one on the internet because the Bible is often confusing. But when you understand what you're reading, you'll love it so much more. So I put a couple of resources on the slides for you. And number four is to pray before you start. Ask God to guide you as you read. Pray also the night before to be able to resist the temptation to skip your quiet time. Number five is my biggest tip, and that is to have a plan. You won't do it if you wake up and you don't know what to do. (laughs) So what I'm going to ask us to do right now is to make that plan. So you should have received a piece of paper when you walked in. If you're at home, just grab a piece of paper. Um, And I want you to write down two things. So number one is a book of the Bible you want to start studying. So pick one you haven't read or you don't really understand. If you're already reading through a plan, write down a goal for where you want your understanding of the Bible to be by the end of the year. For example, you could write that you want to have memorized more verses. If you've never read the Bible, I would suggest starting with the book of Mark, which is about the life of Jesus. Um, Basically, just write down a goal for reading the Bible so that when you go to read it, you know what to do. And number two, write down your when and your where. So for example, when I'm in Cambodia, I get up at 5.30 and I go sit in a hut outside where I can see the sunrise because this helps me as someone who's not a morning person to love it more. So set a specific time and a place where you'll be uninterrupted and stick to it. So I'll give you a minute to do that now. Okay, you can keep writing if you like, but now that you have a plan, just give it a go. See what can happen when you spend time with God. Now, let's be realistic for a second. Your quiet times aren't going to be this revolutionary experience every single day. And when we realize this, we don't fall into the trap of only doing quiet times because it's a new and shiny thing. Spending time with God is kind of like eating your breakfast in the morning. Sometimes it's like a full English breakfast with pancakes and bacon and orange juice. Maybe you got a clear word from God or you learned something incredible while reading the Bible or you've seen how God's answered your prayers. But most of the time, your quiet time is going to be more like porridge. Like it tastes good, it's filling and nutritious, but it's pretty simple. However, your porridge will get you through your day and it will keep you happy and healthy. You haven't failed at your quiet time if it doesn't feel like an incredible experience. But you have set aside time to spend with your loving father in a crazy and busy world. And the more time you spend with him, the more you will learn his voice and the more your intimacy with him will grow the more you will learn his character, the more you will learn that you are loved and he is faithful and there is no better place to be than in the presence of God. Will you pray with me as we close? 
Lord God, we thank you that you are a God who seeks intimacy with us, that you want relationship with us, that it's actually your great plan for us is to be in relationship with you. And God, I pray that as we go into this week, Lord, that you would um, give us the strength to um, spend more time with you, that we would resist those temptations to get a little bit more sleep in the morning, that we would um, instead be seeking after you with our whole heart. And God, I pray that um, we would all have new revelations of who you are, that actually we'd come back to church next week and every person in this room would have a new thing to share about what they've been learning about you. God, that um, we wouldn't be a people that are content with our intimacy with you, that we would be a church that wants more and more of you every day and that um, we'd see that fruit in our lives as people who go out and share the gospel and people who share your love with other people. And yeah, I pray that York Street would be a church community that is so on fire for you and so in love with you because we've spent so much time with you and we know exactly who you are and who we are in you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like prayer or to find our sermon-based studies, please head to our website or check the description below for a link. If you enjoyed the video, feel free to share the video, like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon for updates of when we release new videos. Remember, life can be tough, so let's do it together.